Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man, the best podcast to break down hard-hitting dialogues such as Rapier Schmapier, I got a rod too, Zorro, except mine shoots bullets. And none of this makes sense to Hulk. Here to provide analysis of those lines and so much more is my friend Eddie. How are you today, Eddie? I'm doing great today. I'm very excited to be here and always sad that nothing ever makes sense to poor Hulk. That <laughs> poor, poor giant green man. So confusing his world must be all the time. So, Well, Hi. one thing that's not confusing is that this is our Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> you know, you know how romantic our episodes are, right, James B? Right. Well, because of that, we had to bring back a very special Valentine's themed guest. That's right, James B. <laughs> I'm pleased to welcome Matt, Mr. Comics Roberts, to the podcast. We are thrilled to have summoned you to our dimension Remember, uh, once you remind listeners about yourself, Matt. Hey, thanks for having me back. I'm Mr. Comics 89 I'm a YouTube channel on Instagram, and I love basically everything Amazing Spider-Man. You know, I have a complete collection of comics, so I kind of hope so. A lot of money to invest otherwise. <laughs> Eddie, did you catch that, that he said? Did you hear what he said? He loves everything Spider-Man. <laughs> That's why we brought Matt, Mr. Comics, Roberts. A lot Mars. of love. That's right. Mr. Comics <laughs> loves everybody, and he loves Spider-Man. Definitely belongs mm -hmm. here on our show. Actually, this is getting a little corny. I'm just going to start with our first book, and we are doing a bunch of annuals today. And the first is from October of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 14. There's no way this is called Spider-Man. This is definitely an Eddie doesn't know the title of the book. No, there is no title of this book. It just says Spider-Man. No way. <laughs> Prove me wrong. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Prove me wrong. It's according to what I'm seeing. Do the real is, reading again. This is going super smooth, guys. <laughs> <laughs> making, making, that was the biggest stretch to get love and Valentine's Day into our <laughs> podcast possible. According to what I read, it's from October of 1980. Stanley presents The Amazing Spider-Man Annual 14, The Book of Vishanti by Denny O'Neill, Frank Miller, and inked by Tom Palmer. <laughs> well, we begin with a translation courtesy of Dr. Stephen Strange from the Book of Vishanti. Oh, sorry, what, I'm sorry, who, who, who's that guy? Stephen Strange, sorry, from the Book of Vishanti, and quickly moved to a castle in Latveria. Uh, inside Dr. Doom's castle, Dilby, dressed as a medieval steward, has helped complete a Dr. Doom project 10 years in the making. Uh, Doom rewards Dilby by feeding him to the machine he just finished uh, and sending him into the dimension of the dreaded Dormammun. Uh, Dormammun gives the insepid Dilby some powers to construct a robot friend, while Dr. Doom and Dormammun chit-chat over a cup of tea. Hey, Eddie, James B. famously hates, I mean, hates Dr. Strange in Spider-Man comics. What do you think of his appearance here? Uh, I, I will say this later on, but I'm really enjoying this book. Uh, Dilby says, uh, hurry up, hurry up, uh, summon the master and finish those connections and get me some cookies. Uh, anyone who knows me knows I make a lot of chocolate chip cookies. Uh, in the first seven pages, we also see Dr. Doom drinking a cup of tea with his pinky fully extended. 
I, I really feel like like I wrote the beginning of this book. Uh, well, back in Greenwich Village, Doctor Strange receives an odd delivery, which turns out to be Dilly's interdimensional robot. The robot, <laughs> resembling a headless ninja turtle, zaps Strange and Wong into unconsciousness. As Doctor Strange tries to escape through the asterial plane, he is captured by an army of tiny asterial dinosaurs. But before he is incapacitated, he sends a psychic flare for help. Strange's flare beans Peter Parker in the head, and he swings over to Greenwich to see if he can help, uh, leaving a klutzy freshman class and poor Debbie Whitman abruptly. He calls Debbie Whitman, Debbie Whitman too, James B. Yes, yes, I okay, I get it. Uh, but between that and the T, perhaps you did write this book. Uh, <laughs> listeners, every time Peter's interaction with Deborah Whitman involves him uh, blowing her off or ignoring her or abandoning her or feeling or making her feel bad about it, um, listeners, you should take a drink. Matt, um, could you read the last panel on page 15? Deborah says, Duty is always calling when Debbie Whitman is his date. Oh, well, maybe he's telling the truth, but I doubt it. Oh. And on Valentine's Day, too. Poor Debbie Whitman. She can't even catch a break today. Never. <laughs> After destroying a couple of living gargoyles and escaping some astral. Okay, headless... the word's astral. Like the astral, first two times, sorry. You know, Matt and I let it go, but it's just getting... Doctor, yes. you know, come on, I, come I'm having trouble all, all day on these, these pronunciations. Uh, let me try again. After destroying a couple of living gargoyles and escaping some astral, headless, frog-looking things, uh, Wong gives Spidey a clue as to where Strange is captive. Peter convinces Debbie to go to a musical where he thinks he'll be able to find Doctor Strange, uh, but when the spectators of the theater begin a strange march in the street uttering the words, Bend Sinister, he swings away, leaving Debbie again. Dilby is on top of the Latvarian embassy, with Doctor Strange tied to the Eldritch Crystal, stirring the strangely hypnotic crowd into a frenzied, uh, frenzy ready to summon Bend Sinister when Spidey webs him in the eye. Dilby sixes robot buddy on Spidey, but when Doctor Strange is released, he puts a stop to Dilby's chaos. In Latveria, Doctor Doom's experiment is over, but he will continue plotting. This is the first book that I have read it has the correct amount of Doctor Strange Bumble Jumbo in it. I, I know he said earlier, you don't like him, James B. Neither do I, typically. Uh, but the fights are not too interdimensional and just the right amount of magics. Mr. Comics, what did you think about The Amazing Spider Annual 14? I liked it. it like I said, it was a nice balance. And particularly the Frank Miller artwork added the nice touch of grittiness and darkness that you'd find in a daredevil comic that it just really fits the level of magic that you would see here with dr strange it just works really well in my opinion agreed i, I do really like the artwork too dr strange books just are never going to do it for me i i enjoyed the next book a lot more and that was another annual, but this one is a Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man book. So this is from August of 1980, Peter Parker, the Spectacular Spider-Man, Annual 2, Vengeance is Mine, Saith the Sword, written by Ralph Macchio, penciled by Jim Mooney, and inked by Mike Esposito. We open with the strange Errol Flynn-era Robin Hood-looking character, jumping into battle to help Spidey subdue some thugs on the dock. Uh, 
When Peter returns home, he calls Aunt May, who is doing great and in high spirits. Uh, Matt, feel free to jump in with me on this one, but I wasn't aware that Peter's apartment had a top floor skylight. I always envisioned him coming in through a window. Matt, do you agree, disagree? He His apartment always had a famous bathroom highlight. This is actually my favorite apartment that he had, and he moved out of once he got married. You know, he gave up that great apartment, but uh, on, the, on the hindsight is he uh, got rid of a very nosy landlady. <laughs> oh, Miss Muggins is the best. What are you talking about? Wait, we, wait he's going to move when he, when he gets married? Oh, man, why are we bringing these spoiler guys here? No, I'm just kidding. I'm glad you mentioned he got married because, you know, this is our Valentine's Day episode. So. We got a little love in the air. Maybe it's not going to come for another. Uh, how many annuals are we away? Uh, I think it's twenty-one. If Oops. I remember correctly. You, well, look, you own all the Spider-Man comic books, and I don't, so I'm, I'll <laughs> defer to you. Go ahead and um, let us know what's happening next year because he's not getting married for a couple of years still, Andy. Uh, the next day, Ned Leeds and Peter go back to the docks to investigate, but are run off. When they return to the bugle, they find it crawling with mobsters, with Silvermane telling Jonah to stop writing scathing articles about organized crime. Spuddy swings in and threatens the aging mob boss. Silvermane's not happy. We see that Rapier is also after Silvermane, and after some soul-searching, Jonah and Robbie don't cave to the mobsters' demands. Mr. Comics, I saw a lot of criminals threatening a lot of people in the bugle, uh, nearly breaking Joe Robbie's arm. What did you think of J. Jonah Jameson's actions when Silverman was threatening everyone at the Daily Bugle? Well, frankly, I loved seeing how Jonah was actually could, could be a man of principle that whatever his faults may be and whatever hatred he may have for Spider-Man, that he does stand up for what is right and, you know, the, the role of the newspaper and all that, that this is his duty to write the truth, not cave into pressure so you've got to love somebody who has principles and will stick by them yeah we we love j jonah jameson especially today on our special valentine's day themed episode of course i don't love him as much when we find out later on that joe robbie gets beaten up in an alley but we'll we'll just ignore that part of it uh, eddie what happens next a constant stretching of Valentine's Day is what happens next. Well, uh, continuing, Spidey catches up with uh, Rapier and Silvermane in the cloisters on the Upper West Side. Rapier gives an even longer-winded backstory, and as he's about to kill Silvermane, an eavesdropping Spider-Man swings into action. Spidey duels Rapier with a Rapier, and just as Rapier is escaping, he's shot by Silvermane. But he manages to limp away as police take Silvermane away. Longest backstory ever, right? For Rapier Eddie? I yes. It's it's I think it's a full three pages. Also, this is one of the longest Spider-Man books I've ever read. It's 45 pages and only 13 pages were commercials. It's 32 actual pages. I didn't hate this book, especially for a Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider-Man, but it was very long. Super I, long book, but Lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. Hey, Eddie, were you happy to see Ned Leeds again? I mean, I know how much you love him, especially on Valentine's Day. You know, you have to thought of him, think of him. I was amazed that he was no longer angry at Peter Parker, but 
for the sake of today, of course I'm happy to see Ned Leeds. Love to see him because it is progressing our Spider-Man story. Speaking of progressing the story, Matt, why don't you tell us what our next book is? Gladly. From November of 1980, Marvel Team-Up Annual Number 3, featuring the Hulk, Power Man, and Iron Fist, Monster in the Meadow, written by Rob Stern, penciled by Herb Timpley, I believe, and letter by John Costanza. The Hulk is being bothered and tricked by Nightshade into disrupting a mission the heroes for hire, Power Man and Iron Fist, are on. Hulk steals a chip that allows Nightshade to activate a computer that steals a lot of money. Machine Man shows up, and combined with the other heroes, they manage to get Hulk turned into Bruce Banner. But an ignoramus from the insurance company, Maggie Jones, uh, she does think Bruce Banner stole the chip for his own means, slaps him. Uh, And Bruce flares into the Hulk. It takes a while for Power Man, Iron Fist, and Machine Man to calm Hulk down. But when they do, uh, they send him to go after the deceptive Nightshade. Nightshade tries to start a nuclear war, but the heroes stop her and catch her. Power Man gives us a wink, and that's the end. Uh, Mr. Comic, Spider-Man appears on page 10 in exactly two panels. That's all he appears in in the entire book. Uh, I mean, Hulk is allowed to carry a... Marvel team up. He is the other character, but uh, what's your thoughts on having two panels of Spider-Man? Well, when he appeared that little and only one panel where he's actually clearly in there, you got to wonder what's the point. You know, you already have Power Man, the Hulk, Iron Fist. I mean, I know Spider-Man sells. You know, you know, is a big draw and sells a lot of money, but when he shows up to go, oh, someone else has it covered and leaves. What's the point? You know, he can save the money and save the ink. The point is that Spider-Man sells a lot of comics, and that's the point. That's why he's in there. (laughs) Everyone else you just mentioned is not a good comic-selling character. Yes, Iron Fist is the living weapon, but come on. Nobody thinks of Iron Fist as anything in Power Man. He's lucky if the Fantastic Four decides to bring him on for a couple issues as the fourth member. And don't get us started on Hulk. No, this you needed Spider-Man there. It tricked me into thinking this book was going to be okay. And uh, I did not love this. This turns out to be your favorite book of the day. I apologize in advance. Nope. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) I mentioned Nightshade tried to launch nuclear missiles. Uh, This book went from being kind of a goofy low stakes book to a total panic. Uh, I did not like this at all. They really wedged it in at the very end and... Like the computer's stealing money, and then it's launching nuclear missiles. Did I read this wrong? I, terrible. Well, I like that the book actually had something going on in it. I mean, I'm reading this book, and I am so disinterested. Uh, yeah, you know what? They do have the main villain, Nightshade. She's uh, she's running around like in a trench coat, and then at one point, she just like tears off her trench coat. And she's dressed like Red Sonia. I don't know why. She's barely wearing anything. And then she just runs around for the last half of the book. Other than that, I I don't remember anything about this book ex- until they bring up this nuclear missile thing, which they seem to resolve very easily because they have, uh, they have Machine Man there, right? And he just says, like, I'm Machine Man. I'll just blip, 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 blip. Yeah. And just to be clear here, Machine Man is in the book, right? Yes. Okay. 
when I look at the summary, this is not me making fun of your summary. This is just making fun of like the point. You don't even mention Machine Man is in the book. He's terrible. Yeah, he doesn't the, need he doesn't need to be in this book for any other reason than to disable the computer. I guess. Right, I but guess, it's so. just, he wasn't even significant enough to be in your summary. <laughs> he shows yet. up like way into it. I'm like, come on, poor Machine Man. Do you, do you remember that there was a no love, no love for Machine Man? Well, come on, Eddie, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> do you remember that Machine Man's in love with the girl, and the girl doesn't like Machine Man, but she loves the human version of him? That you know that he wears super his sad. Yeah, it's, that was super sad. It bothered me too. Uh, hopefully, things turn out better for uh, for Machine Man in the future. But we don't have to deal with uh, with Machine Man because I don't think he makes it to the next book. Unlike some of the other people, like uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, who do make it back in the book. And that last book we're talking about is from August of 1981. It's Marvel Team Up Annual Four, featuring Spider Man, more than two panels, and Moon Knight, Iron Fist, Power Man, and Daredevil by Frank Miller, Herb Trimp. And Mike Esposito. Purple Man is out comically hypnotizing Spidey and some other two-bit thugs when an assassin attempts to kill him. He discovers the Kingpin is behind his attempted murder and goes to visit. Once in the Kingpin's office, Purple Man discovers he can't manipulate the crime boss. The Kingpin arranges to have Purple Man speak at a televised charity gala. Spider-Man, Daredevil, Power Man, Iron Fist, and Moon Knight, who have all been doing various criminal fighting activities throughout the book, meet at the gala to stop Purple Man. Moon Knight knocks him out because he astutely thought to wear super powerful earplugs while fighting the hypnotic Purple Man. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. He didn't astutely decide to wear the earplugs. He literally stole the earplugs from uh, that... Uh, Henrik von Schnickelschnapp, which is the... Schnappelschnittel. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Henrik von Schnickelschnapp. I'm looking at it here. He is the assassin who got the earplugs from, as we're going to talk about later, the kingpin. And uh, then when he knocks him out, he steals him from him. So it's not like Moon Knight's like, oh, I have this great idea. Moon Knight steals the idea. He at least is wearing them. I'll give him credit for that, but wasn't his idea ready. All right, well... He did, he did have the foresight to put them in his ears, I guess. Okay. Uh, right. Spidey, Power Man, and Iron Fist uh, dump a bunch of water on the teeming masses who were early hypnotized at Power Man's televised speech. The Kingpin is angry at Spider-Man. All right. And now it's time for a segment I like to call, Does Eddie Know This Character in the MCU? Eddie. Oh, here we are again. Well, the good news is we usually rarely have a guest here. And last time we did this, I think the guest couldn't answer the question either. So um, hopefully uh, Mr. Comics can help you today if you need help at the end. Mm -hmm. Eddie, uh, there's a character here called the Purple Man. Uh, Purple Man is uh, one of my favorite characters in the MCU. And that's not a joke. I really, really, it's great. Yeah, I love the actor who plays him. I love the role they did with him. I, oh, I just, I thought it was great. I'm like, wow, I love the Purple Man. And here he is in the book. And uh, I figured we could talk about that. But just a quick double check, Eddie. Could you just remind everybody, you know, either who plays the Purple Man in the MCU or like where we've seen this this character? Because not everyone's as familiar as me and you are. <laughs> me and you are. Uh 
Matt, you're going to have to help me, please. Well, I thought I'd do really good at this, but I didn't see anyone purple in the MCU running around. <laughs> unless someone's a little paint. Daredevil show? No? He is had it? to be, but I can't remember. Is that our, I can't remember is right that now. our final answer by anyone? Is anybody going to lock in anything here? If, if you guys want to go with can the we, Can we know if he's in a show or a movie? He's not in a movie. Okay. We're going to say Daredevil mm-hmm. show, right, Matt? Yes. We're, final answer. Okay. okay. Uh, you will get a, a D minus. <laughs> a passing grade. Let yes. it be known. Uh, For Daredevil? It's not, he's not in Daredevil. Everyone at home that knows the answer, you can just shout it on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, you guys are correct. Uh, I, the audience just all shouted. Uh, Jessica Jones, season one. David Tennant is uh, the purple man, and he basically has Jessica Jones kind of under control from, I don't know, like episode five to nine or so. You know, he's messing around with her all the time, so... Uh, wow. David Tennant, who's famous for a couple things. Maybe Doctor Who, maybe the more famous thing he might be known for. But anyway, uh, thank you for listening to our segment. Uh, does Eddie remember this character from the MCU? I didn't know the Kingpin came out of retirement. Uh, Mr. Comics, didn't he stop his life of crime for Vanessa in the Amazing Spider-Man books? Yes, he did. I quite enjoyed that issue. You know, what some of you will do for love, but I guess power has such a draw. And, you know, it's just kind of like the Purple Man's power, you know. But did you know that when the Kingpin was talking to the Purple Man, you know, we didn't know it yet, but he was wearing the earplugs then to avoid the mind control. He was having a normal conversation with him. But when everyone else wore the earplugs, all suddenly they couldn't hear a thing. You know, Eddie, am I correct, right? Uh, You are correct. Matt, which one of these uh, books was your favorite one? Actually, this last one, Marvel Team Up number four, I like the whole Purple Man, Kingpin, Daredevil, cool Spider-Man story in there. It was my favorite, which was surprising. I thought I would like ASM annual the most, but this this Marvel Team Up number four was really cool. And you liked it because uh, of all the characters that are mixing in here, mixing it up, or... It was a story that was easiest to understand, and it was also just the coolest fight, I thought. Just the whole mind control angle I liked. I'll take the uh I'll take the I'll take the rapier book. Uh I like Silvermane in it. I like the threat to J. Jonah Jameson and as Matt discussed how J. Jonah handles it, even if it's like there's no good solution to it. And uh yeah, I know the rapier's got this huge ridiculous story, but I don't know. It reminded me of like the Count of Monte Cristo that like, you know, this guy completely rebuilds his whole life after being like kind of taken out uh, out of play because he's like crippled. He comes back with like a purpose to just to go off and defeat Silverman, although Spider-Man comes at the last minute and like deprives him of his like one thing he's been working on for the last like, you know, dozen years of his life. Um, But no, I thought that was my favorite. Uh, Eddie, do you want to do you want to back me up? It was... uh... No? Easily the Amazing Spider-Man Annual 14 for me. I, I, now, on top of it being rather silly, like the cookies and tea, and also, like the illustrations are also fantastic. And like when the people are marching, hypnotized, there's a lot of hypnotic things going on, I guess, in the, the book we just finished in this one. It's like it has the soldiers from the musical with the guitars marching, like their rifles. 
I, I was really tickled by so much of it. I thought Dilby was a hilarious, great main character too. Well, the fact that we picked three different books is really great. And the fact that we didn't pick Marvel Team Up Annual 3, I will quote a character from the book who would say, none of this makes sense to Hulk. <sighs> Mr. Comics, before we do our sponsor, why don't you tell us a little bit about your show or something you want to promote, and then we'll do the other sponsor. Well, I like I said, I uh, Mr. Comics eighty nine, just a bunch of cool videos. Like I recently did a hobgoblin video, basically, on my thoughts on the hobgoblin and a few keys. You know, I got a cool Spider-Man book recently that I upgraded my collection. You know, because since I have a complete collection, you want the best you can get, and so that's what I recently got today. But uh, other than that, you know, I'm just running my channel, talking about Spider-Man more often than not, and giving away. A huge lot of Spider-Man comics when I reach 750 subscribers on YouTube. Nice. So, all you have to do is basically comment on the video and follow the rules, and you can win a big, thick stack of comics from different titles related to the character. Even though Mr. Comics is our biggest uh, comic collector friend, um, and uh, Kevin Ewing is our most read comic friend. Um, I know that our friend Sarah Pezzel is the one who's most interested in this because she collects the most Spider-Man swag. And, of course, you know what kind of sponsor we're going to have today, folks. That's right. Do you love toys? Well, the Tinkerer has gathered three Marvel team-up villains, I mean experts, to help design the newest line of Marvel team-up action figures. Monster creator Baron Butt, Ludwig von Trump, the Mad Thinker, and Puppet Master have lent their expertise to create the toys kids want to play with and collectors want to collect. This 13th set has three figures from this classic run of Annual 3 and Annual 4's most famous heroes and villains. Now, Matt, I know you would uh, not open these up. You'd keep them, you know, mint on card to try to get these to be a 10.0. Uh, Eddie likes to play with the toys here. I so, yeah. So, and we've, we've specifically been asking lately for better quality, and they have decided to give us two regular and what they call a premium figure. So let's see how they came out. Um... Here we go. From Marvel Team-Up Annual 3, it's the insurance adjuster Maggie Jones. She laid down the smackdown on Bruce Banner. Wow. Eddie. No. <laughs> what a terrible All right, character. We'll, we'll... She slapped Bruce Banner. How dumb was that? Matt, come on. This figure is key to the story, isn't she? Yeah. yeah and after all, that was a love tap, after all. Ooh. You know? a, a Valentine's Day love tap, to be uh -huh. precise. From Marvel Team-Up Annual 4, it's Heinrich von Stickelschap, the guy who <laughs> knew to wear the earplugs and would have got away with the assassination, too, if it wasn't for was it Moon Knight that messed it all up there. I, I think you're right. I, hopefully Moon Knight's standing next to him for our third toy, James B. Well, I mean, you have Heinrich von Stickelschap. I mean, that's, that guy's <laughs> classic. You see, he's got the classic beard. and the, like He looks like a... You know, Colonel Nichols. Sanders kind of out there, right? He you does. Gotta love that hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who'd you think the last figure would be, uh, Eddie? Gotta be Moon Knight. That's the guy that. How much fun would it be to play with Schnickelschnap and Moon Knight right next uh, to him hitting him? It's close. For, it's a premium figure, so it's the quality's up there. Uh, for Marvel Team Up Annual 3, it's actually Machine Man who, you know, saves the day. Okay, he didn't make your, uh, your summary. <laughs> <laughs> but. Over 21 years, this guy had a 35 total issues. Uh, Machine Man has a, it says here he has a 19 issue run in the 1978 to 80. 
He has a four-issue miniseries in 84, and then he has a 12-issue miniseries in 1999. This guy has his own book, Eddie. This is uh, super oh. collectible. Jeez, what a, what a selling, uh, selling point. Matt, you getting yeah. on this, getting on this uh, 13th set? Yes, I'm definitely getting on that 13th set, and I'd love it even more if the Machine Man came with oil for him to help with the parts. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we have time for today. Eddie, if people want to write in and tell us that the best book was Annual 3, how could they reach us? Email us at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com or on Twitter at letsreadspidey. I'm James B., joined by... Eddie! And... Mr. Comics. And remember this very valuable lesson. Listeners, don't slap around Bruce Banner. Because he will turn into the Hulk. Duh. Goodbye. 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 Valentine's Day episode, actually, because it's coming out. The oh, 12th. that's right. So <laughs> there will be some awkward attempts to reference Valentine's Day in awkward places, just because it's the Valentine's Day episode. All right. So, I think Dilby's free. <laughs> anything you want to do at any point, as as inappropriately Valentine's Day, you can do it. Just keep it PG. All right, here we go. Okay.